growing green to generate more green. Welcome to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. Each week we plant the conversational seeds about cultivation and the changing climate of cannabis culture. We'll peel back the layers of benefits of the world's most versatile plant, from food to fuel, from remedy to resource. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Grow Show with your host, multi-award-winning grow master and respected cannabis consultant, Kyle Cushman. Hello and welcome. I am you and you are me and we are all together. This is The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com and I am your host, Kyle Cushman. My friend Scott Reach has been in the cannabis industry for over 15 years and has experienced explosive growth bursting onto the competitive scene in 2011. He's an award-winning cannabis breeder whose renowned genetics and collaborative efforts have earned multiple awards at a variety of industry events. Ghost was also named one of the top 10 best hazes of all time by High Times Magazine, and I can personally attest to his genetics as I once grew a cut that tested out at over a whopping 29% THC. Now, you've heard me say this before about other guests on this show, because this is true for so many of us who love this plant. Scott's passion for cannabis isn't just about THC percentages, getting blazed and winning awards. It's deeply personal. In 2010, he was hit with the devastating news that he was diagnosed with testicular cancer. However, Scott credits cannabis for his remarkable recovery. His own doctor attributed Scott's blood THC levels, which were seven times higher than normal, with keeping the cancer from spreading and potentially saving his life. Not only did Scott overcome cancer, he continued to push forward with his passion for the industry, founding Rare Dankness Seeds in 2011. Thanks to cannabis, Scott is here with us today to talk about rare dankness industries and the future of cultivation and genetics. I'm excited to welcome some of that rare dankness to the show today. How's it going today, Scott? Great, man. Thanks for having me on here, Kyle. I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you being here. It's taken us a couple of weeks to uh, sync up our schedules, but we're finally here. And Dude, it's, uh, I think it takes it takes us a year to get to this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> It might have. It might have. It's, it's been a while, but I, I certainly appreciate it. And I know we got a lot of things to talk about. You're a really, really busy man these days. And, you know, I follow you on the social media, like I hope uh, some of our listeners do. But, you know, let's start from the beginning. So give us a little bit of background on yourself. Tell us how you first got into growing. I think like a lot of people, you know, you start growing to basically offset having to buy weed. Um, right. When I started growing, I was living in New York, and ounces at that time were in the 400 to $600 range for your ultra primo kind bud. Sure. And for a young, that was a steep price, a steep price of admission to have bank weed all the time. So, you know, like, uh, you know, any grower who's worth his salt, I figured out, you know, where a good spot in our house to put up a little grow would be, and, you know, away you went. I don't remember my first grow. Probably better. Than- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I definitely have bought. Yeah, it was definitely way more satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as we all know, cannabis is medicine, and you know firsthand. Can you tell us a little bit about what you th- went through back in 2010 when you know when you were first diagnosed, and did you make a conscious decision that cannabis was going to save your life, or was it just? kind of incidental as it was there i was fortunate in the sense that i had been a grower for you know over a decade uh, when i found out i had cancer i had just opened my first dispensary which was a little place called stone mountain which was in longmont colorado i had been open about four months when i got the diagnosis testicular cancer 
And, you know, I, I was really fortunate. I had a, a oncologist who was open to alternative medicines. And, you know, I'm, I'm fairly pharmaceutically sensitive. So, you know, any type of pharmaceuticals either give me a blasting headache or a migraine or they really tear up my stomach or, you know, make me where I'm so constipated, you know, I'm just miserable. Sure. So, you know, I went in extremely scared of doing chemo and extremely scared of, of cancer, as you should be. And my, do- my doctor was cool. He was just like, listen, man, if you're going to have issues with a lot of these, you know, pharmaceuticals, you know, let's not take them. Uh, let's try to substitute some form of cannabis, whether it's an edible or a consumable, smokable, whatever. And, you know, let's see how you do. So we started out with like 14 prescriptions in the beginning. Uh, and I think there at the end, I only ended up having to take five or six of them. So, you know, cannabis was able to replace eight to nine of the pharmaceuticals that they had me on. And, you know, and it was everything from anti-anxiety to pain to, uh, you know, steroids to, you know. Everything seems seems to be for one thing and then another thing is supposed to alleviate the uh, the side effects of that and and so on. Me something that was for nausea, but you know the side effect for nausea was like like I'm not taking something that's going to give me a migraine. It was there, cannabis was there for me, but it was you know also encouraged by my oncologist. So like I said, I was very fortunate. Well, I'm really glad you're here, and I'm sure that Pam and your boys are extremely thankful as well. And I don't know, maybe you want to mention or share that oncologist's name so that other people maybe might want to uh, look him up. Oh, yeah. It's the Rocky Mountain Cancer Center uh, in Boulder, Colorado, and the doctor's name is Leslie Busby. Dr. Wow. Busby is, is a, an amazing, amazing doctor, and over the six years that I've been going to him, I consider him a you know, family friend at this point. Well, Dr. Busby, I want to thank you personally. And what a great name for, an, for, for your doctor, Dr. Busby. Yeah, right. That's pretty cool. <laughs> So, on, on to some, some lighter issues. How would you earn the name Moonshine? The nickname Moonshine. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on. Um, like, I, I'm a southern kid. You grow up in the south. You grow around, grow up around a lot of bootleggers and whatnot. Cool. And, you know, being one of, the, being one of those kids that decided to grow weed in, a, in an <laughs> era now that when prohibition was on cannabis you know you just kind of become a modern modern moonshine man but it's a different type of moonshine uh, you know sure. my, i always say my granddad my granddad was the original uh, leroy <laughs> used to keep a bottle of uh moonshine and orange juice in the top shelf of his refrigerator so. <laughs> <laughs> all right but, you know over the o- over the years that was just kind of a, a moniker that i got was a cool handle for our uh, online forums and whatnot and, you know, and then once we became a legal, above-ground entity, you know, our first strain that we kind of struck with was Moonshine Tanks. And that was kind of our exiting of the Moonshine Man and introduction of Scott and Rare Dankness, you know? I love it. I, lo- I, I love evolution at its best, you know? Kind of yeah, organic, man. but a little bit uh, creative as well. You know, a little artistic liberty in there, so... In, in doing yeah, some man. research about your company, I came across this statement. Quote, Rare Dankness strives to take the world's best clone-only strains and improve on them for all to enjoy as seeds. Can you explain to our listeners what that means to you? 
Yeah, so back in the day when this was all underground and still to a little bit of a, a point to this, you know, even today, clones were hoarded. Many people held them close to their chest. They didn't trade them. They didn't allow them to get out. So there was a very small population or percentage of the population that ever got to experience, you know, some of these as with As with the itself. And that's, yes. oh, that's most partially definitely. why I got a career for myself because I felt it was very important to share everything that I knew. Yep, exactly. And clones, you know, most seed makers or breeders or whatever typically just want to exploit whatever that hot strain is at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And they try to make their money off, hey, you know, this has cookies in it or hey, this has OG in it or whatever. And that was never my goal. My goal was always to put out something made from those strains that I could be recognized for, and it would stand on its own with its own integrity and its own, you know, following and popularity. But at the same time, pay homage to those, you know, great genetics that for a long time no one really had access to. Sure. That's cool. Always got to remember where we came from, right, and and give praise and thanks to, uh, you know, those who came before us, right? Oh, always, always. So you head up two companies, RD Genetics and Rare Dankness Seeds. What's the difference between the two entities? RD Genetics is a global company based out of Europe. Uh, There's a UK office and a Spain office. Rare Dankness Seeds is the American base. Really, it only exists in Colorado, uh, you know, for the most part. We do have subsidies in Michigan and whatnot and a couple other medical states, but, you know, we haven't been able to fully license out like we want to until either the laws change or we can start building one of the facilities that we've now built in Colorado, which is kind of the future push for us. That's awesome, man. You know, I just want you to know personally that, you know, I get asked about genetics a lot of times and your company is one of the names that I don't have any any trouble mentioning to people that I don't know or people that I do know. And, you know, that's why I have you on the show here because... I feel the quality in your products, and I feel the passion in your heart. And, you know, I, I don't invite just anybody on the show. So everybody out there listening, I think, kind of knows that. And Thank you've been you. crazy. Thank you, Kyle. And you've been crazy busy over the past few months building out a brand-new, huge grow facility. When did you guys start planning this, and when do you expect to finish construction and start operations? You have started, haven't you? Yeah. So I came up with the idea for this about – late 2013 i wanted originally to do basically just a wholesale grow that could provide you know a few companies with product mm-hmm. and when i first started designing it you know it was based off just this wholesale model you know really big we were going to have our own lab you know come do everything in house the industry just started kind of changing out here in colorado you went from this retail model recreational model, retail medical model, to all of a sudden it opened up for wholesalers because the, the laws allowed, you know, non-existing companies to come in and start operating. So originally for two years here in Colorado, if you wanted to sell recreation, you had to be one of the original shops that was open mm-hmm. here. So they kind of like, you know, made it for the people who had already gotten into the industry. Mm-hmm. Well, it opened up for everybody last year. And I mean, everybody flooded in with, big greenhouse operations down in Pueblo and big indoor operations up here in Denver. And, you know, we've been seeing a slide in quality of the product over the last 
three years as it's kind of already had been. Sure. You know, everybody seems to be in that race for the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, not realizing, you know, not realizing that cannabis is going to be like liquor or like many other branded products where you can have a, a low end and a high end. And, you know, and I never understood that race to the bottom. I mean, yeah, you sell more volume at a lower price and, you know, you make more in the long term because you're turning over so much. But it's always been to me about your reputation and, you know, the love that you have for the product. And I've always grown weed specifically so that I could smoke it, you know, no matter whether it was of in a commercial course. facility or, or my facility, I wanted to be able to consume and, and partake in that end product. So, you know, no one really has that mindset. Everybody's just growing, you know? Sure. So, you know, I came up with this idea. I went out and I pitched it to a bunch of people. And, you know, everybody was really, really interested in it. But, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced it. You go out with your dream and pitch your dream to people. And they come back and say, yeah, I'll give you that money. But I want half your dream. Or I want dream. Or I want want controlling operation abilities Mm -hmm. for your dream. And, you know, that was a that was a sticking point for me. I I wanted to own the company 100%. I wanted to have 100%. And it took a it took a long time. It took over six months to find the right lender. And the sector, it was game on. The moment that I got the money to basically finishing the building was about 18 months. And we started plants on June 13th. So we've been rocking and rolling for about a month and a half now. <laughs> Congrats, man. You know, it just of, of an old point that I live by, and that is that the motivation behind the deed is way import, more important than the deed itself. And that's why you're going to succeed so well, because your motivation isn't the money. Your motivation is the product and how much good you know you can do for the community as opposed to some of the garbage weed that people smoke just because they don't know any better. But I will say, you know, of course it is important. You've got to have Budweiser's along with the Stella yeah. Artois, you know, because, you know, yeah. different strokes for different folks. But, you know, I'm proud that, you know, there, there are a few people that are not going to participate in that kind of an operation. I have no intention on putting out a an inferior product just to put it out. If I'm going to have to put my name on something or put my name behind something, like like I said, I want to be able to smoke it. You know, I want to be able to walk in and buy whatever is on the shelf for myself. And, you know, and that really hasn't, really hasn't happened in a long time here in Colorado. That is um, the bottom line, is producing a product that you yourself are proud of, you know, if whether it's to win a cannabis cup, that's secondary. You entered the cannabis cup because you thought it was good enough to win. You, yeah, you're it, proud it, of it. Exactly. And here's an, a question that I couldn't have asked you or wouldn't have even thought of asking you two, four, five, ten years ago. What kind of capacity are you looking at? How much do you think you'll be able to harvest annually? My goal for the first year is just to get the building operating Seamlessly. I mean, a facility sure. of this size, that's of this automation and technological, you know, advancement that we've brought. You know, there's some there's some ghosts in the system that we have to work out. And you know, I, I've built a good team so that we can handle those things without having any kind of major crisis on hand. But you know, in the first year, if I can produce a couple thousand pounds of weed, I'll be freaking stoked. Next year, uh, when the facility is fully operational. Our plant counts are up to capacity, and we've had time to, you know, dial in the SOPs for this facility. I plan on twelve to 15,000 pounds. 
You see, once again, a really good answer because, again, I, you didn't make it all about the numbers. It's more about making the facility work. And, you know, I'm sure you want to create a good working and growing environment for all the people that you have working for you and with you. And then yep. the yield comes, right? Yep. You know, and I'm, I'm looking at our harvest a little differently. So say we harvest 10,000 pounds, you know, say that's our number we harvest. I am only going to package and process for packaging about 25% of that. The rest of it is going to be made into all sorts of concentrates, whether it's dry sift or rosin or uh, BHO. I'm only putting, you know, the top 25% of the buds into packaging that will ultimately be sold as flowers. Uh, again, because I want people to buy eighths of nice buds. I don't want them buying popcorn or, you know, shaky whatever. I want them to open that can or open that jar and just have their breath taken away by the smell and the look and quality of the experience. So we might have some rounds that, that don't turn out that great, that a larger percentage of them goes, you know, into processing, and we might have rounds where all the flowers look great and a smaller amount will go into the processing. So it's you know, just keeping an open mind, man. Not being not being hemmed in by a bunch of owners' opinions on what I should be doing with my harvest. You know, that's one of the beautiful things I get to do. <laughs> oh man, you're enacting all of the things that we would sit around and talk about. Just getting stoned. One day, man, we'll be able to just sell the best flowers, you know, and we won't have yeah. to sell all this larf and, and popcorn nugs and stuff, and, and you're making it happen, and I think it's really, really great. What's the target date for your first official harvest? Can you tell us? Uh, Mid-October, which puts a uh, product on the shelf like the second week of November. You know, I was shooting for Black Friday, actually, as an opening, you know, late November, but we'll probably see the doors open to some capacity the middle of November. Good to go. Sounds good. Well, all right, Tokers, it is that time again. We have to take a quick minute to show our sponsors some Grow Show love. Break out those grinders, load that bowl fast, because we'll be right back with more from Scott Reach. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> More flavor. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him being that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. 
thousands of cannabis professionals convened this August in Portland, Oregon, to the city responsible for half a billion dollars in cannabis commerce. The Portland Expo Center hosts Indo Expo, August 6th and 7th. Indo Expo has seed to sale covered all weekend long with educational seminars and over 250 exhibitors, lights, nutrients, trimmers, extractors, greenhouses, cutting-edge grow gear, genetics, smoking accessories, and more. Free admission for buyers, store owners, and MJ industry professionals. Visit www.indoexpo.com. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman, and we've been talking with the legendary Scott Reach of Rare Dankness. And now we're going to switch things up a bit and talk a little cultivation and genetics. So, Scott, what sparked your transition from cannabis cultivation to procuring the best genetics the world has to offer? I think that if you are a lover of cannabis, a connoisseur, aficionado, whatever, if you will, and definitely not that I was that back then, but <laughs> I had the makings of it. You know, uh-huh. I, had the, I had that interest of it. You know, you're never satisfied by one flower. <laughs> You know, like for me, I always felt like my tolerance would max out. Any new strain that I would get, if I made that my primary strain, then 30 or 60 days, like it just didn't have that same effect on me. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it was always about having variety just to keep that tolerance kind of off basis. And then, you know, where that turned into collecting like really rare genetics was, you know, I was very fortunate. I was gifted a couple of really nice clones when I moved to Colorado. I never had that like, oh, you can't have these clones. They're my clones because <laughs> they were given to me. So since the clones were given to me, I felt that I could give them to other people as well, you know, because that was just the, the way this all worked. I feel so that. I found a buddy somewhere on the West Coast that had a couple clones and wanted to try out my blueberry clone. So we linked up. I traded him my blueberry clone and a couple other things that I had at the time and he traded me three or four things, and, man, that just got the ball rolling. And from 2001 to about 2007, I mean, we had probably a 1,000 different elite, clone-only, hard-to-get varieties from all over the U.S. and Europe, you know, passed through our hands at some point. Yeah, man. I mean, you know I'm a genetics guy, too, and... Personally, I love it when people smoke and get pleasure or relief from my own flavor. It definitely gives me a sense of self-satisfaction. Of course, I love coming up with it as well. What are your views yep. on genetics? You know, they, they have their place. I'm not a huge fan of them. If you come to Rare Dang Out, 
we only have like four feminized varieties, I believe, out of our 45 that we do. You know, if you ask me if I buy Ghost Rain Haze regular or should I buy Ghost Rain Haze Femme, I'm always going to say buy the regulars just to give yourself more variety and also the ability to make your own seeds because you're going to find a male and you find a female, you cross them together, you know, and you got the next generation there. But there are places where laws are horrible, man. You get caught with one plant, let alone 10 plants, you're in trouble. So, you know, it makes more sense to, you know, grow seeds that are only feminized in that sense. If you look at some of the really great, you know, clone-only strains that exist today, when you start delving into their genetic makeup and whatnot, a lot of times you'll find out it's from a plant that either self itself or, you know, hurting with other females and, in all ways, do those seeds come out stable, but, you know, you do find the gem every once in a while that is equally as good as the parents or even better than the parents. It's stable, and, you know, yeah, from man. a personal standpoint, I don't really grow films, but, you know, I have no problem with people that want to grow them. My breeding suggestion, though, is if you're interested in breeding and you want to use films, make sure they don't harm, you know, and, like, stress the hell out of the plant. You know, typically when you're... Oh, you're um, way, you're, you're way, reversed. you're way, you're way kinder than me because I absolutely yeah. say do not breed feminized genetics. Just yeah. grow yeah. them, need them. I see the place for them too, but it's just a weakening of the gene pool, and just don't breed with them. That's all. That's yeah, man. Um, you know, that's 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 the best bet. That's always the best bet is you know don't breed with something that's inferior like that. Yeah, so let's see, what else can we talk about? LED lighting is becoming a big trend. Do you use it at all? Do you see it replacing the current standard lighting setups? You know, I still haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen what I want to see out of LEDs just yet. Uh, I definitely have seen the benefit when using them as an added spectrum to a garden. Definitely I'll see more resin production or higher, tall, even sometimes taller resin gland uh, in really? the but for intensity, you know, like to produce a really nice, thick, dense bud, the power, the, the intensity is still just not there. So um, do you, they've gotten do you, better. I, de- I definitely you, say they've gotten better over the last three or four years. So do you think now, you know, our, our motivation, not our motivations, but our, the way we look at the plant changes as we grow older and get more experience, does it not? Yeah, and of course. I remember going through a phase where I tried to grow the biggest buds I could. I wanted to see yep. how big I could grow a bud indoors under light, and I pretty much got buds to grow over two feet long, as long and as thick as my arm. But they weren't the best buds. No, man, and you run so many issues with you know the possibility of mold and everything forming on the inside of buds like that. So what, what I'm curious is if you're, you have an opinion on this as to – so what I found out over the years is, A, you have to have a focus. Are you focused on the best or are you focused on the most? You can't do yeah. both, right? You got to do no. one. So, so you know, when you're in business, you have to find a happy medium. But when you're doing it personally, as I've been doing it mostly, it's always for the best. And yeah. I've found really only over the last, you know, half decade, you know, the last five or six years that – a slightly lower intensity produces a more potent bud. A smaller bud, but a more potent bud. So I'm wondering if that's a correlation to, to what you found with the LED lighting having, you know, bigger stalks or bigger glands. It could be. You know, definitely correlates. I mean, from a seed breeding side, 
I prefer a less intense light because your calyxes end up being a little bit bigger because the bud's a little more airy, allowing more space, you know, Interesting. Uh, within the uh, within the bud to form a nice seed. Typically, if you're trying to make seeds under, you know, really, really high intensity, you know, 1,000-watt garden, you'll end up with these nice tight buds with teeny tiny little tight packed-in calyxes. And the seeds, you know, are relatable to that. You know, they're they're smaller seed, you know. So I've always I've always kind of done that intensity thing when when breeding as well, just to help with seed size and stuff like that. You know, the, one of the lighting things that we're trying right now that I, I'm having some really great results with is LEP, the plasma lighting that Gavita does. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Again, as a supplemental light uh, for veg. Uh, not for flour. Uh, I haven't used them just yet in flour. I've been, basically been using them to help stage plants and the pre-flour before uh, transitioning and flipping. And what we're finding with the plasma is that it does have a really high-intensity light, so it prevents or it lessens the light stress that you sometimes have going mm-hmm. from a T5 garden or a low-wattage veg garden to your high-intensity flower gardens. We're also seeing shorter anonodal distance uh, mm-hmm. on a lot of plants, especially those hazes. <laughs> so, you know, whether we will end up outfitting a, a big flower room with them, and yet to be seen, but for veg, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sold on them, but damn, they're expensive, man. They're just like those, you know, just like uh, LEDs. They're just, you know, we come from the era of, you know, you buy a $300 or a $500 uh-huh. light and you're, and you're good, you know, and. Man, some of these lights are two thousand dollars nowadays. <laughs> you know, I think I think that they're just—it's like any new technology. They need to get a lot of money for research so they can actually make it yeah. not just better, make it really work out, you know, properly. So they take the yeah. millions of dollars, yeah. they reinvest it, and they come out with an, with version two point oh, three point oh, four point oh, and everything gets a little better. I don't have much experience yeah, with LEDs myself, so I wanted to get your opinion on that. So if I said to you, in your perfect world, hydro, soilless, indoor, outdoor, what would be your ideal growing scenario? Who am I growing for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that, honestly, that, that honestly, I think, you know, uh, if it's just me, if I was growing for just me, it would be, you know, it would be a fairly sophisticated, light that greenhouse, probably... You know, quasi-hydro in the sense that everything would be fed through drippers and, you know, no hand-watering. It would all probably be cocoa-based and, you know, in our own nutrient mix and whatnot. But, yeah, I think everything has its place. I think indoor has its place, outdoor has its place, greenhouse has its place. So I'm not sure I got the answer. What would your favorite ideal scenario be? If you, you know, not for any reason other than you have to grow it, you have to smoke it, how would you set it up? Probably the exact way I set this freaking warehouse up, you know, <laughs> you know like it, it, this, you know, this is about as much. Yeah, I, I love indoor. I love the ability to control everything on indoor. You know, I, I will agree that outdoor weed and greenhouse weed has a little wider range of effect to it sure. because of the, you know, the broader spectrum of UV that the resin's receiving. But, man, you know, I've been growing weed for almost 20 years. I see buds from all over the world from dynamic, awesome top-of-the-line growers like yourself to, you know, straight newbies. 
And still to this day, man, the top, if I was to think back of my top ten pieces of weed I've ever received, eight of them would be from indoor grows, you know? Of course. Well, that brings me to what was going to be my last question, but I'm going to change it up here. Just for fun, if you were stranded on a desert island, you had to pick three of your own creations to bring with you, which three strains would you choose? Oh, man. That's <laughs> only a good three. one. That's a good question. Okay, only three. Starkiller, no doubt about it. Yep. I would say Ghost Train Haze. Yep. I, I love Ghost Train Haze. I think that's a very unique strain. What would the third be? Mm, man, I would have to say Flow OG. It's one of our rarer varieties that we put out in the last few years, simply from the aspect that the mother doesn't like to create healthy seeds. So it takes a lot of work to, to pick out healthy seeds to, you know, to sell from, uh, from her batches. But man, what a unique turf profile, excellent all around flavor. The high is, is exceptional. Um, yeah, I, I would say flow OG. So awesome. Starkiller, Flow OG, Ghost Train Haze. Those are the you, three. You got it. Scott Reach's favorite strains. That was going to be the lighthearted end of the show, but I have one more question I just want to talk to you about real quick. And yeah, it's commercialization over legalization. And okay. what I mean by that is, is, you know, it kind of feels like we're uh, unwillingly or willingly, I'm not trying to put any dark entity behind it or any malice behind it at all. Just the way things are, it seems like what's happening is commercialization and not legalization. And and I I say that because I don't understand how we can sanction, and I'm totally all for it. I want everybody to know I'm totally all for it, that we can sanction, you know, large grows for commercial purposes. And hallelujah, it's about time. But how is it that if I grow more than six plants, I'm still a criminal? I mean, does that bother you at all? You you have no idea how much it bothers me. You know, I think our focus as a culture has been, and I mean, it happens a lot in today's world. Uh, We get distracted by a multitude of things instead of focusing on what's important. And what's important to us as a culture and and that, that thought and dream of legalization that we had years and years ago was... Being able to grow your own plants at your own house, however you please. And that should be a focus that we cannot lose sight of. Because right now, this commercialization that you're seeing is a, it's got everybody's focus so focused on like, oh my God, you know, Montesano's coming and Philip Morris is going to come. And if I don't do this, you know, I'm going to lose my chance. Instead of really understanding that we as a culture are, are losing that ability to grow at home. As a breeder, as a seed maker, you know, my, my first want is for people to be able to grow at home. You know, like I want people to be able to buy seeds and grow at home. I want my mom or my grandmother or whoever to be able to do it and not have legal repercussions. But what we have focused on is we have focused on creating these regulatory bodies or commercialization, industrialization, whatever you want to call it, not really wanting to admit that we've already kind of lost that piece. Commercialization and industrialization of cannabis is going to happen, like whether we like it or not. I mean, it's already, the big ball's already rolling downhill. But we as a community and as a culture are going to lose our patient benefits, 
our ability to grow at home, uh, our ability to consume at home as we please, whether that's making water hash or, you know, whatever. You know, you got to pick your fight, man. And right now I think people are so busy just bitching about so many fights that are going on. No one really wants to get focused and, you know, and understand that there is going to be a commercial aspect of cannabis. Like it's going to have a government regulatory body and it's sure. going to suck. Yeah. There's going to be a, a craft version of cannabis, just like there's craft beers and craft distilleries and everything else. Again, you're going to have to meet some regulation and regulatory aspects of that. It's going to suck, but it's going to allow us to keep our culture within that commercialization. And then the big thing is home rights. No one anywhere is putting the fight into home rights because we're so focused on losing that commercialization aspect, at least in my opinion. You know, we've seen it here in Colorado. Like, there's no outright bans of, like, you can't grow at home. But everywhere in Colorado slowly has started to wheel back those numbers. Originally, you could have as many plants as you wanted to have, as long as your doctor said it was okay. Now, if you move into specific municipalities, they have plant counts. It might be 12 plants. It might be six plants. But that's all you're allowed, even if your doctor's note says differently. And if they come in and do an inspection and you're over, dollars and fines. I mean, it's no longer going to jail, but it's going to bankrupt you. Sure. We're in a very interesting time, Kyle. You know, like I have this feeling sometimes like I have a bit of, I'm a bit of a guardian to the old culture because I come sure. from that old culture. But at the same time, I'm a smart guy. I'm a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a scientist above and above what I do. And I would like to see cannabis legal in some form of a fashion on that commercial side, just so it's less taboo for us. Right. But uh, the key is, though, is we need to be able to grow at home. And if you're not fighting for homegrown laws, you're not fighting the right, the right fight. Yeah, man. I really appreciate your perspective. We're, we're definitely uh, brothers from another mother plant, as they say. We're both uh, really, it's really important to preserve the culture. Uh, the, the only thing that I'd add to that is the thing that I'm really worried about is the actual evolution of the plant being that, you know, for the last several thousands of years, this plant has been carried by humans who revere it and honor it and treasure it. And if we're going to make it illegal now, for somebody with a license and sure it was illegal when I studied it and it was illegal when you came up, you broke your teeth, but I want people to be able to grow up and be able to take on that endeavor should they choose to and not think about the illegality of it and further, oh, yeah. further the evolution of the plant with people who truly revere the plant and truly respect the plant. And I'm sure that'll happen too. And, Hey, man, I really, it's been really awesome talking to you. Thanks again for taking the time to come on the show. Unfortunately, we are running out of time in the segment. Would you tell us how best to reach you, pardon the pun, where we might check out your next event appearance or your website? How can people get in touch with you? The website is raredankness.com. Uh, easiest way to get in touch with me is scott at raredankmissindustries.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. But, yeah, man, uh, I appreciate you having me on the show. I uh, thank you for everything you've done, Kyle, and hope married life is treating you very well. Please say hello to Susie for me. Oh, I will. Uh, thank and, you, man. Uh, yeah, man, keep fighting the good fight, brother. It's been really great, and I'm going to come out and visit you real soon and get a nice tour of your facility. 
Cool. Be prepared to take a shower and put on scrubs. You got it. That was Scott Reach from Rare Dankness. We'll be right back. We have to take a quick break for our sponsors. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody, to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. And now it's time for our last segment, Ask Kyle, where I answer your cannabis cultivation questions. I want to take a quick moment to thank all of you for sending in your questions week after week and let you know that due to popular demand, we will soon be recording an all-Ask Kyle special. So for 30 minutes, I'll do nothing but answer your questions to help you grow the most potent, tasty, and clean medicine possible. Just send your questions to diane at kylecushman.com. And don't wait because we get a lot of submissions. So the sooner you get your question in, the more likely you are to hear it on the air. So now let's move on and dig into this week's submissions from Dave. Hi, Kyle. I have two plants in a 4-foot by 3-foot by 8-foot space with a 250-watt HPS high-pressure sodium bulb. I've been looking for bulbs with a lower water so they wouldn't be too hot. Will the 250-watt work okay? Also, is HID any cheaper or better? Well, Dave, uh, lighting is very important, and I understand your issue with heat. So the most important is to not overheat your space or your garden. So stick with a wattage that you can either keep cool or just that won't overheat the space in and of itself. Halides, I don't know that they're any cheaper, but it is good to use HID early on for your veg stage. It'll keep your plants from stretching more when you switch to the sodium bulb. The theory is that when you change from the 24 hours of light to the 12 hours of light, that's a trick that the plants use to trigger their flowering. Well, they also use the spectrum because the blue light from a halide is much more like the earlier in the season and the sodium is much more like the late fall sun. So if you can veg under halide and flower under sodium, you won't get as much stretching and that'll help you out in your small spaces. From Alan, 
I'm having a problem with drooping leaves. My plant is about two weeks old and has the first baby set of leaves and two sets of bigger leaves. The bigger leaves have started to droop a lot like to the point where they're touching the stem. It's not sun or newts, I don't think, but the wind did knock it over a couple of days ago. Do you think my plant is sick or damaged? Huh. You know... Again, I'm going to tell everybody, encourage everybody to send in pictures. You can send in a picture with your question, and I could have it here to have a better idea of what your issue is. Knocking your will tend to stress. If you're sure it's not the sun or the newts, I'm really at a, at a loss here to give you the best advice, Alan. I wish I could see your plants. Maybe keep them out of the direct sun until the leaves come back up, because when they don't get enough sun, what they do is they reach for it. So... Take them out of the direct sun a little bit. Give them a good, strong watering with food. And I think you'll see those leaves come right back up. From Bud D, I am close to harvest, mostly cloudy trichomes. I'm flushing the plants now, but I've noticed that some of the buds are starting to turn brown. The leaves sticking out from the buds are brown too in a small area, but maybe the size of a silver dollar. Is this bud rot? I'm not sure what to do since I'm close to harvesting. Any help is appreciated. Uh, Again, sure wish I had a picture to look at. You know, it is kind of natural for the leaves to go yellow at the end. It does sound like it could be bud rot, maybe from high humidity at night. You could have a little botrytis in there. Uh, Really not a whole lot you can do at this point if you're indoors and you can control the humidity. Make that nighttime humidity as low as you possibly can. Definitely try to get it below 40% have a little bit of circulation in the room, but throw another dehumidifier in there if you can. If it's outdoors, hopefully it's not caterpillars or something like that. Unfortunately, there are some things outdoors that we just can't remedy, and uh, that's unfortunately why my favorite growing is indoors. Well, we are out of time again. I want to thank our guests and producers for making this show possible. Make sure to check out my website, kylecushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media, upcoming events, subscribe to my newsletter, and a whole lot more. You can find new episodes of The Grow Show every Wednesday by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Remember to stop and smell the flowers before you smoke them. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman, and as always, stay lifted. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.